Let's talk about mental health. Is this, is mental health something that you guys think about on like a day where you're not scheduled to talk about it, like with me? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, are you just like thinking about it? Are you thinking of how it relates to you? Like, how are you thinking um, about it? Just thinking about how to maintain my mental health and just be more conscious of paying attention to myself and not focusing on everything around me all the time. Like sometimes mm-hmm. just staying in a quiet space and focusing on, all right, am I okay mentally? Did I process everything that I've just experienced, etc.? I guess for me, it's um, kind of a focus on my physical health. And then I kind of link my, like, how I'm processing stuff to my physical health. Um, because if I'm, like, exhausted or if I am just all over the place or busy and just feel just, like, drained, then I think that is a reflection of, like, how my mind is as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of, I don't think about mental health. I just think about how I feel physically. Mm-hmm. So when you hear people talk about mental health, does it um, does it feel like something like abstract and completely different from the way that we usually think about health, or is that like an inclusive thing for you guys? I think. Well, I honestly, I never really think about mental health or even my mental health. I feel like I'm just mostly go go go. I don't really sit to be like, <clears throat> how do I feel about things. Which probably leaves me exhausted and then I'm like, I don't get that that's related to why I could be tired or why I'm not performing at work or other things where I can't like keep my thoughts straight or, you know, when you're trying to think about everything or go to bed and all these things are going through your head and you haven't stopped to think or examine where you are. Um, But I never really know, I guess, what the difference would be or what, how to make that part of like your daily routine or what we should be paying attention to or what's just emotions, you know? I don't think I fully understand what mental health is. Like, I think it seems like it just recently got either, either just recently got hot or I just recently started paying attention to it or, or like hearing about it. But, um, what do you mean by mental health? I guess. Yeah. Actually, just for folks like me. Um, so before I was talking to Nanushka a little bit before this and she was like, okay, so when we're talking about mental health, are we talking about mental illness or, and, um, (laughs) I think that I brought that up because why? Oh yeah. I, I think I'm just curious how everyone is thinking, like when you think of mental health, what images pop into your mind, what kind of things pop into your mind? Because I feel like because of certain environments that I've been in, it's always been a very prevalent topic. So now mental health to me is just another component of your overall health. And um, I think I used to think of it in a sense of like, oh, mental health is only talked about for negative things. Like if you're suicidal or if you're anxious or like if you have schizoid or schizoaffective disorders. Um, but now I'm learning to see it as like health, like health doesn't have a negative connotation. It's just a, a measure of how you're doing in a certain field. So I think mental health now is just sort of like all encompassing of that for your mind as like physical health would be for your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, anyone else? <laughs> I certainly, I think I neglect mental health or it's definitely comes last on my priorities of things to on my list of priorities to like take care of like physical health is obviously easier to address because if your body can't go you can't go but you know i think as adults we tend to function like if our bodies can do it we just got to do it and um stress and stuff like that that could build up i don't i guess i don't address so i don't really i think you previously asked like how do we look at our mental health? I would say I don't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's real. I think for a while I felt almost like kind of, ne- I've neglected it. But it was almost, I would say, um, you know, not in tune with it because it wasn't talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people ask how you're physically feeling. But then sometimes I learned over time to kind of tune into how I'm feeling emotionally. So, you know, why am I afraid of the things that I'm afraid of? Why in this situation did I react this way? So a lot of times it comes with sometimes negative emotions will bring out the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling angry or upset and I reacted this way. Why did I do that? Why am I feeling stressed out? Or, you know, why am I, um, you know, 
how am I going to handle this, this internal conflict that I'm facing? And sometimes, you know, when you're thinking that and processing that, you become more aware of, of your own mental health and, and how you're, um, reacting to, to different things. Yeah. I have a question I'd like to hear you guys input on. Um, what do you think that feelings feed more into mental health or that mental health produces feelings? Does that make sense? Like which one do you think fuels the other? Do you think there's like a mix or? I literally just wrote that down. Oh, uh, <laughs> that question. No, I like I. I was just talking about this um, yesterday or whatever about how uh, a lot of like environmental factors lead into your mental mental health because there's all these things that we're processing on de- on the daily like that we don't necessarily have um, the capacity for. Just with like when we're looking around, we're seeing all these things, but we're not seeing like the details of everything unless you stop and focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, same with like emotions and external factors. And those can actually lead to like real health issues, not that mental issues aren't real health issues, but just like um, something you can see um, like migraines or uh, graying hairs, you know, um, I don't know when your body is sore, you feel sick and nausea, things that you would be like, Oh, I'm nauseous. Maybe you're stressed or maybe your environment is causing you to feel like it's shutting down and it doesn't know what to do and process emotions that turn into like these physical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think too, it's like we have such a, um, I think sometimes with emotions, we can try to cut them off or try to make them like illegitimate. And this is going to sound mm-hmm. kind of silly maybe, but I've been reading and, and watching a lot about Mr. Rogers. Oh. It's something that just astounds me about the guy is that like he was able to like look at a child or to look at a person and what they were feeling. He wouldn't just say, you know, you shouldn't feel this way mm-hmm. or, you know, here, let's try to make you feel better. It was like, why do you feel this way? Okay. It's okay to feel this way. It's mm-hmm. like, we need to recognize that it's okay to feel feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't think it's okay to just leave it there, but let's talk about why do you feel this way? What makes you feel this way? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, that's been like sitting on my mind really heavy when it comes to mental health and emotions. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, make people realize that they matter as, as a person and we yeah. love you. And, you know, let's talk about why you're feeling this way. Mm-hmm. So there are all these, uh, just, I just said, it's okay to feel feelings. And I, sometimes I feel like, uh, my first reaction or my first, yeah, my first reaction when I'm feeling a feeling is to like, not feel there's to try not to feel it. Like if I'm feeling sad, like I'll be like, okay, you have to shake this. Mm. Or, you know, like if I'm feeling anxious and you know, this is probably because like my understanding of the Bible and is like not great, but like, the temptation when I'm feeling anxious is to think of the verse that says, cast all your fears or anxiety on him and, and don't feel like that. Mm. Almost as if like, oh, if you're a good Christian, you should never feel anxious mm. or you should never feel sad or you have no, re- you have reason to rejoice. Right. And mm. that like can twist in my mind to make me feel like I shouldn't feel this way right now. Mm. Else I don't have enough, you know, <clears throat> name it faith. Yeah. Or like, I don't really believe, or I should be happy, or I don't appreciate the cross enough for stuff. Does anyone else feel like that? Or is that just me? Oh, for sure. My, like, yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was so articulately put. Though. Yeah. Like, I never put words to it, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like a huge encouragement for me, um, like you think about the Apostle Paul, this great man of faith who traveled all over the world um, in Acts, somewhere later in Acts, um, Jesus appears to him and Jesus tells him like, take courage. Do not be afraid for I have things for you to do. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. think about the implications of that that means what Paul was afraid. Mm-hmm. This guy who had already traveled the world, who had been beaten with rods, who had been stoned, like he was afraid and he, he was anxious. And so it's like, I think on the one hand, one, Jesus meets us in that. And his desire is to meet us in that, not just to tell it, but also he encourages us and pulls us in to think about it because he gives a reason why, like you said, right. Um, put all your cares and anxieties on him. Why? For he cares for you. Um, and all the places where Jesus tells us not to be anxious, it's not just, Hey, don't be anxious and walks away. You know, it's like, (laughs) don't be anxious for your father cares for you for he will provide for you. So it's like, I think even in the Bible, we see that we're being encouraged not to just throw away our feelings or to try to change them, but to really think deeply about why are you anxious? Let me give you the reason why you don't have to be consider these things. That's right. Sometimes like, you know, use this analogy when our physical bodies are in pain, that's a signal that something could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And we go to a doctor and generally investigate that. And sometimes that's, you know, when we're aware of our emotions, just like you said, we're not saying, Hey, I can't feel this pain. We would never do that with our physical bodies. (laughs) 
<laughs> just pretending that's not there because right. that could create long-term health problems, right? Especially if something serious is going on. So when we're feeling emotion, like particularly a you know pretty significant one, like you said, we should investigate. Why am I feeling this way? You know, what are the thoughts behind that? What are yeah. the you know, maybe the the things I've experienced that are really causing that? Uh, and sometimes that's why I feel how God really does give us uh, freedom and peace when we bring these things to him and he allows sometimes our thoughts and sometimes our trauma or pain that we've experienced uh, or lies that we've believed about ourselves from uh, the enemy or from other people to come to the surface and then he can really heal us uh, in a holistic way. Because, mm. um, yeah, I totally agree that, you know, God created us this way. He gave us emotions for a reason. Part of it is for, for certainly our enjoyment. Um, and so we're holistic beings and he cares for us holistically. Our body, our soul, our emotions, our mind, our, our spirit. Yeah. That's beautiful. So just to kind of piggyback on what Diane said, I remember when I was in college, um, I took a physics class and I ex- actually experienced like heart palpitations where like I, I stopped breathing in an exam. And so I had to, I mean, the professor had to like leave me out of the classroom because I was just not behaving well towards that exam. And then towards the end, um, or like she came back to her office and I realized that I was trying to like deal with the heart palpitations by, you know, first exercising and breathing, and then it just wouldn't go away because what was the problem was I was just stressing about the exam. And then the exam went away and uh, continued, but then for the whole entire year, my sophomore year was just kind of, I guess, I I, I, I kind of stayed in a state of constant, like, playing things in my mind and just, like, going down rabbit holes. And so what I found myself was that I kept starting off with a something in my head and I ended up failing and like the the next and then what I remember I was kind of talking to someone and they're kind of telling me the whole you know like you shouldn't be anxious you're a Christian and so you just need to pray um you need to ask God for peace and everything's gonna be okay and I was doing that but over time it, it kind of just got worse and it because I was trying to deal with stop being anxious versus like trying to deal with why I was anxious. And so after, I mean, I I kept exercising, I kept doing other things to address the physical sense and then how I also felt emotionally. But then a year goes by and I kind of was talking to someone and I realized that the reason why I was so anxious was the fact that I feared failure. And that kind of was rooted in just like how everyone else's expectations of me was to succeed. And so in my mind, like anything kind of led me to failure is what I associate with anything. And so just like I wasn't mentally okay with failing because of what happened to me. And I, because I was trying to address my, how I was responding physically and didn't work, how I was responding emotionally and didn't work, I had to go to like the root of what exactly um, was causing all of this um, to, to just like progress over a year and a half time period. So I think it's very important for us to really, I, I, the only time I kind of thought about mental health was in the bad sense. It's like mental health is like, Oh, that's like, you have a problem versus like looking at it on a positive light and understanding that it does trickle down into other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think oftentimes, um, Wow, yeah. I think a lot of times people are quick to view mental health as just a spiritual, like as just having a spiritual component to it. And um, that's why it's so easy to be like, oh, pray it away, like this will happen, da da da. But um, when you think about how intricately connected the mind is to the body and how that was created to, to have this like spiritual but bodily existence um, together, you start to. Or at least I start to realize that um, it, it needs to be cared for, too, like in this physical realm. Like it can't just be not thought about or suppressed and, and it will go away through just prayer. It needs like active caring for. Um, so I think about how like if you if suddenly you're just having these crazy heart attacks, like, of course, that could be a spiritual issue, too. Like <laughs> God can do miracles like he can seal, heal someone's heart before they even have cardiac surgery if he chose to. Um, so it's like while it can be a spiritual issue, it still is a physical issue that could benefit from treatment somehow. So I think 
I, I mean, like, correct me if I'm thinking about this wrong, but like, I feel like when thinking about mental health, while yes, there may be a large spiritual component to it because it's so abstract and like brain science is very new and clearly out of this world. <laughs> um, it needs to be clear that there are still measures that we can take to deal with it as well. Like, it's not just a spiritual thing. It has a physical, like, it res... <laughs> the brain! <laughs> I don't know if any of that was really yeah. coherent, but, yeah. No, that makes sense, because, like, if you think about... Um, even if you think about uh, physical illness or things that are going on in your body, it's a result of sin. And let me be very clear. I'm not saying it's a result of something you personally did. I'm saying, like, <laughs> it's a result of, like, that when Adam and Eve sinned, that the world, the entire world was was cursed by the curse of sin. And so I think we're willing to look at our bodies and say, okay, well, this is as a result of sin. Like you said, God can certainly heal it. But I'm also going to pursue, um, I believe God has given us doctors and medicine mm-hmm. to help heal our bodies. But, like, our minds are, like you said, a part of our bodies. And they too were affected by the fall, by sin. And certainly we need to be praying. Of course, we're, you know, we're called to be people of prayer, but also to realize um, that God is, again, God has given us doctors. God has given us medicine. God has given us community to deal with, to actually deal with these things, not to pretend that the problems aren't there. You would never look at someone with a broken ankle and be like, what? You know, make that go away. Like you shouldn't have a broken (laughs) ankle. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But why would we do that with someone who's sad? Yeah. I was reading, we were trying to find some scripture that was like specific on mental health. And I don't know if there's so much, but there's definitely about them. Don't be anxious and have confidence and be courageous and stand in faith. And, um, a lot of those are action words where God's calling you to do something or asking to just give it to him. And not like necessarily an even exchange, but just, he said, I'm here for you to carry your burdens and all this stuff. Um, so sometimes that's, I feel like that's really harsh. It could be really harsh for the church to be like, that's our position in regards to a mental illness or disorder where maybe people have prayed for it for however many years and they still need to go get actual treatment um, to manage that, you know, because there's a chemical imbalance and there's a treatment for this thing and they take the treatment and that's what's helping them. You know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily um, by prayer alone or um, I don't know. I guess I just don't know what to say when people, it's, I guess this goes back to like what's being healed and what's not, you know, and not having enough faith or I don't want people mm-hmm. to feel that way because they have a mental disorder or a mental illness, not just feeling stressed, but other uh, stuff as well that encapsulates their lives that stops them, you know? Mm-hmm. I think s- sometimes well, people have a pretty narrow view of what it means to pray and uh, have healing come mm-hmm. from that. So sometimes I think people literally think, okay, no, it just means you're going to pray here by yourself and God's going to miraculously heal you and take away these emotions and give you joy. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I believe he does. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think prayer is so much bigger than that. So if you look, we're talking about mental health and scripture, look at all the Psalms, mm-hmm. people praying and just pouring out their heart and soul to God. That's an aspect of prayer where we're just mm-hmm. saying, God, this is how I'm feeling. Uh, and being honest uh, about that. Uh, I think sometimes when we pray and we trust in God, he may have that healing, which we, I believe all believe is possible he can do, but sometimes he brings in other people, other professionals, other Christians to come. And that's an answer to prayer. That's how God can, can help meet your, your mental health needs or to, again, uh, open your understanding mm-hmm. of why you're feeling that way. So we encourage people. I totally a hundred percent, again, believe in prayer. I believe in people saying, Hey, you need to come to Jesus. But to, for us to expand really and see what that looks like, it's not just narrow. Uh, everyone experiences it the same way all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Uh, it can be so different. And I love scripture because I think one of the biggest commands it says is do not be afraid. So that's one of the most like con- common refrains in the Bible. And I think God's not dismissing our emotions, right? He's not saying, hey, but he cares for us. And he sees that as human beings, we can be so fearful. Uh, and he wants to come in and give us comfort. And a lot of times it's through his word and through other people um, to help us overcome our fear and not be enslaved by it. So I love that. What's that worship song we say? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So when we understand our identity in him, when we understand ourselves in community with other believers, it helps us overcome at least that I say particular emotion when it's attached to 
to different things, different mm. um, lives that we feel. Yeah, well. yeah I, I really appreciate that too. Cause it's like, I think we sometimes, like you said, have a narrow view and it's, we also have this view that like, if God's going to heal me, it's going to look like, like you said, it's going to look like me just feeling better sure. when, yeah, we, why is, why is us going to the doctor and getting some relief from the doctor any less? Uh, okay. So that's not God anymore. Mm-hmm. That's man's wisdom that causes to be, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. God is sovereign. You know, in his providence, he's brought you to this doctor and he's brought this doctor into your life. He's brought this whatever into your life. So it's like, yeah, we, I think we do need to stop making that divide and certainly trust. I do believe that God could reach down in an instant and heal you of something, but, maybe then if that happened you wouldn't have the chance to have a conversation with this person or maybe you wouldn't be able to comfort someone who struggles in the same way later on so it's like yeah we can trust god in all of life and it doesn't have to be our spiritual life where we pray about it and then our physical life where this is kind of the defeat god it didn't answer my prayer so i need to go and take care of it in this way no it's god you know god prayed i prayed i didn't feel like i received anything necessarily spiritual from god but i believe that god, god is now calling me in wisdom yep, to go and absolutely. yeah take care of other things mm-hmm. i think some people kind of go around and just like i prayed and god's gonna do this uh, or like things are just going to work out magically versus like God, you can pray and God give you wisdom to go do stuff. It mm. is like, it's not only just a magic trick or a miracle trick. It's like he gives you wisdom to direct you to do what you need to do, who you need to seek counsel from. Cause you can't go to everyone for counsel. You can't necessarily, I mean, hopefully every doctor who's certified, you can go to. <laughs> um, so like we need to use the discernment that God gives us for that, that he gives through prayer mm. to, to, to make the decisions that we do make and not necessarily think that like I don't really understand why, why people get this whole enough faith concept from because mm-hmm. God talks about like a must like you just need to have faith that things will things will happen and he if it isn't will will make it happen so it's just like when we start to quantify how much God performs in our life with how much faith we have then we miss the whole point of why Christ came in the first mm-hmm. place amen <laughs> Yes. And even to add on to that, like a lot of times, or even myself rather, will expect, okay, I prayed over it. Now I'm waiting for this grand experience of healing. But sometimes even just the prayer itself, like just talking to God about it itself, there's healing in that too. Absolutely. So we don't always have to expect some turnaround or something's going to change or I'm going to go see somebody. Sometimes just talking about it is the experience that you needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. I want to take it back to like when I was younger. I didn't grow up in a household where mental health was addressed. Like, you shake it off, don't let them see you sweat, you get on with it, study harder, do this, you know? It wasn't a thing that we talked about because it wasn't a thing that my my family learned, like my parents learned, my grandpa. it wasn't a thing we discussed. It wasn't like, oh, how are you feeling today? No, it was like, what was your grade? (laughs) So, (laughs) so much, it wasn't, so there was no emphasis really on like how you were doing mentally really ever you know yeah never because i don't think that that's what was taught to them and i i don't know if it's culture related the only really reason we talked about mental health is if we heard or someone in the family or it was it was like a bigger thing like they had to go to the psych ward or they have to take medicine because they're bipolar or that's a that was in my family or culture experience, that was a mental illness or that was mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much um, growing up and you have pressures of stress and you have um, teachers you don't like and you don't know how to deal with it and you're a kid and no one talks to you about it because you're a kid. And that was never addressed and feeling angry and all these emotions. It wasn't really, there was no outlet because if you took time to talk about that stuff, there was, I feel like talking about those things not necessarily made you weak, but was a selfish way to unload on people like that's just an emotion is what it was mostly so to them um but now that there's like a name for it even my younger brother they have like mindfulness classes because mm. um it's important now we're realizing it's important not just for adults for children because they're going all through these things and i'm sure we can think back a time where we were just a couple years younger or more and you're just you just now you're realizing oh i was stressed and anxious when you're in the sixth grade, you know, but no one talked to you about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And even to add on to that, I also grew up in like a similar household where it's like your feelings are kind of non-existent. Like actually my household is hyper spiritual. It's like, oh, you're sad. It's a demon. Cast it out. And it's like, no, <laughs> I kind of just experienced something. But and I realized like in not really being allowed to express my feelings, I just suppressed them to mm-hmm. the point that I was in, even in denial that I'm feeling this way. So like even growing up now, I'm like, oh, the reason I react to this this way is because I never addressed it when I was younger. Yeah. Like, let me actually process that now and deal with it now. So I'm glad that like, at least for your family, there's an understanding that you need to actually address these feelings and talk about it. So I think it's important for everyone to have these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. There's like clearly been a stigma around mm-hmm. mental health and like mental illness that's trying that we're, like we're now trying to break down and I feel like because that's been happening a lot more recently like that's why the conversation has become more prevalent and why people are starting to talk more about mental health um, or feel comfortable or like they have the space to but where where do you think the stigma was attached you know like what made it something that was so hard for people to talk about or what what made like this issue of mental health be something so like stigmatized as negative and like demonic and stuff for it to not want to be talked about in like public settings you know i have no idea maybe it's because we're human and we have to see it to believe it Hmm. or because i feel like i grew up and my grandmother was like oh she's crazy yeah. No, she's not crazy. She has a disorder, mm-hmm. and we're just going to throw her to be the crazy person? Like, mm-hmm. that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just we can't we can't touch it. We can't feel it. Mm-hmm. You can't. I can't look at it and be like, oh, I see you have a scar there. I understand because I have a scar. I know what that feels like. But uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think there's a standard of what's normal, and then everything else that's around it should just be, like, segregated from what's normal Mm -hmm. and so people's idea of what's normal is based on it could be the people who started what's normal and then it just kind of trickles down into our mind of like if someone is a lot more expressive like if 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 a guy is more expressive of their emotions then they're this Mm -hmm. if a girl does this then she's that or it's just like we start to um like put people in boxes and then attach negative things because it's not normal to what we're used to. And so if, if someone, I guess like, like we used to walk, like, so if we saw someone on the road and they were, you know, like even if they were just, just homeless, yeah. they were crazy. Um, if, if someone was responded differently than how you would, or I guess, you know, a little more energetic than you. It's crazy. And so it's, it's like you start. So when, if someone were to behave in that manner, or I guess if you felt that way, but you did not want to be titled in that, um, like as crazy or, or any of that, like you kind of suppress yourself. And so it's just like that. I think that's where it's like we start to think about what's normal and then everything else apart from that is what needs to be negative. I also think some of it comes from like misunderstanding of scripture. Yeah. Like, where like of course God tells us don't be afraid. So people might think of fear as ungodly. Mm-hmm. So you know, mm-hmm. oh it's not of God to be a fear, but God also understands that we're human. Mm-hmm. He knows that we're going to experience fear. So he says when you do experience it, just mm-hmm. cast your burdens onto me mm-hmm. versus oh just pretend not to be afraid. So yeah. I think that misunderstanding contributes to it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, who's like a perfect example? Jesus. And what did he do in he the Garden of Gethsemane. He was stressed. He cried. Yeah. He sweat. He was angry. He prayed so many times and didn't get the response he wanted, you know, in his flesh. It's like, and then we try to think we're better than Jesus, that we don't have to deal with those things. <laughs> right. Like, right. man. That's right. Like, yeah. But yeah, I think another thing, too, that can create um, stigma around that is, like, we look at... Um, we look at horrible things that happen, like school shootings or bombings and these sort of things, and we make it about the mental health of the person who did it. Um, like, they did that because they have a mental health issue. Um, sure, maybe that contributed, but then what does that say about every other person who has a mental health issue, that we need to watch out for them because they're going to do something? Like, no, absolutely yeah. not. Like, I think that creates um, stigma, but that's a dangerous kind of stigma that yeah. like could cause you to like, yeah, act really, you know, throw people in jail if they have a mental health issue. We need to separate like, okay, maybe that mental health issue contributed in some way, but it's hate in them. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, it's hate and sin in them that caused them to do that, you know? So it's like, I think we need to separate. The, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 perspective, I've never... I've never heard articulated like that. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's it's a dangerous precedent. Yeah. Um, 
So, pat on the back, that's all I have. <laughs> I, I think for centuries, you know, people lived, you know, this is like going back church history, but history in general, people lived in a very um, symbolic um, spiritual culture where if there was a uh, you know a health issue normally it was associated with yeah. spiritual forces which again I feel like are, are again interrelated but they're also physical forces so if there was someone who was different than society people would sh- shun them you know say this is going on and then for the past you know couple hundred years uh, with the enlightenment with the renaissance now there's been this they call it de-mythologization uh, or whatever of of all of these things. So it's really taking all these spiritual elements out of it and saying, no, we can figure all this out with reason and science. Some of that has been good. Like we said, some of those are gifts by God that we can be able to use science and use um, health to figure out some of these issues. Um, but at at some point, the dichotomy now is like being stretched where it's saying, no, now there's no, we can... There's no spiritual problem. We can figure everything out through yeah. uh, mm. modern science. psychology and mm. science. And I do not agree with that extreme. You know, wherever you get into these extremes. Um, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> the pendulum just goes from one side. Exactly. <laughs> right. hmm. So I think in preparing for this, like, gathering today, <laughs> I was Google searching some stuff. And one of the ones that kept popping up over and over again was, like, a very genuine question. But it was just strange. Um that was, can Christians suffer from mental illness? Well, I guess I shouldn't have prefaced it like that. It's whatever you think it is. <laughs> but people kept asking, are Christians allowed to suffer from mental illness? Can Christians have mental illnesses? Like, are you a Christian if you experience a mental health disorder? Things like that. Um, yeah. What do y'all think? <laughs> of course, Christians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That seems... I think that's a lot of the problem. Like I, I said... That I feel like if I'm a good Christian, I can't feel emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's like, did that autofill when you Googled? Yeah, oh, it would like oh autofill. Uh, and it would be so different many... topics that I would be typing in as yeah. keywords and this would keep popping up. That oh. means there's so many people who feel like that and just, yeah. uh, there's just this pressure and, I don't know, darkness and cir- circular, th- circular thinking. If you think like, oh, I'm a bad Christian, I feel like this, let me pray because I'm a bad Christian. Oh, I still feel like this even though I'm praying. I must need to pray harder. I'm praying harder and it's not working. Uh, I must be even worse. And pray. You know, it's just like a, a feedback loop if that type of thing is prevalent. It breaks my heart that that auto-filled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man, that's like this is going to sound dramatic to me, but like I think of Galatians 1, 8, and 9, Paul says, um, if someone's preaching another gospel, let them be accursed. Because, man, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means I've been saved by grace through faith, yeah. not of anything I've done. So in the minute that you say um, a Christian can't suffer with mental health, what you're saying is I'm saved by grace through faith plus my good mental health. Yeah. <laughs> plus, you know, what I do to keep myself like, yeah. man, and that's a gospel issue. And that's, that's not acceptable for us to make the gospel about something we do that's just yeah that's heartbreaking to think that people are yeah yeah we touched on this earlier kind of everybody that um in some part of uh i don't know any church or any group of christians um there's been an idea floating around that ungodliness is the reason why there's um trouble in your life Mm. and there's like some root of personal sin that's causing your mental health issues financial problems any other struggles you might have in your life um i'm sure i've definitely heard it for sure be like oh well what have what haven't you given to christ or what haven't you confessed or um what direct action have you not taken that you're plagued with depression, which is not accurate. Yeah, I feel like a lot of, um, like when I was experiencing bouts of like anxiety or depression, I feel like one thing that I always came back to praying was like, what did I do wrong? Like, what am I not doing that I'm still going through this? And I think in my head, because I'm always like, um, I feel like I'm always the one preaching, like, you don't have to do something wrong to experience a mental health disorder. But I think I never realized that I was intrinsically saying that to myself by asking, what did I do wrong to deserve this? Or why am I not, like, feeling healed if I'm praying to you right now? Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't realize I was still attached to that logic, like, subconsciously. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because even, I think, in a desperation to just, like, feel better or, like, to see the other side of something, at some point, when you run out of, like, options, you're just like, what did I do wrong? It must be me, because it's, like, the last factor. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Can I... So, quick aside, and you can cut this. (laughs) (laughs) I one time heard someone try and tell, or try to argue that if uh, you're wicked, or like, God won't hear your prayers and won't heal you, with uh, 1 Peter 3.12, he said, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So uh, he was trying to say that if the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, if his ears are not open to your prayer, if you're wicked. So if you feel like your prayers aren't being answered, it's because you're wicked. So that was gross. (laughs) No one would ever be saved, right? right. But I think that that if you take this without reading the rest of first Peter mm-hmm. and, or someone throws this verse at you, like, uh, is going to laugh at me. Cause I'm going to say platitude as like a platitude yeah. to like encourage you to like, you know, if you're like, why are things not going right? And someone says, well, you know, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, people are going to be yeah. that idea yeah. that, Can't Oh, I must be evil. doing something yeah. wrong. Oh, I man. must be yeah. evil. Yeah. God won't heal me. Yeah. Like, that whole negative feedback that yeah. just gets reinforced. Yeah. And uh, I feel like God loves us and wants to help us. Mm-hmm. But right. we oftentimes convince ourselves, or I convince myself that, you know, I'm doing something too wrong for God. Like he, mm-hmm. he can't, he can't possibly want to help me until I like ship up or fix myself up, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think I'm the only one who feels that sentiment. Mm-hmm. I think like uh, flippantly looking at verses like that or like mm-hmm. perpetuating those thoughts yeah. is part of why I think Christians have such a hard time talking about mental health. They're just yeah. like addressing feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised to see the statistics of um, Christians who are, like go through or kind of experience mental illness and those that are non-Christians. Because I think, well, I guess... There may be a skew of the statistics in terms of like Reporting. Christians won't necessarily yeah. say that they're yeah. 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 that yeah. they're right. undergoing or, or like experiencing mental illness mm-hmm. um, because of the stigma that is attached to it. And so, one way of like giving your burdens to Christ is identifying what those burdens are. And so, Ooh. if you don't identify that you may be on a path to be struggling with a mental illness you will never be able to give that to the Lord. So you could be praying, and if you are in denial that it doesn't exist, then you can't, like, you don't, you can't release it Mm -hmm. to God. And so I think that, so I think, like, there probably are more Christians that are suffering from mental illness than people who aren't Christians because of the fact that they are aware and are open to understanding that Mm. they are dealing with it. Speaking of kind of what you guys both mentioned, I know I shared this before, but a lot of times I, when I'm thinking of mental health, I think of the book of Job. So Job is like one of the earliest books of the Bible. Like, and I think one of the big lessons is from that takeaway is that we cannot be um, flippantly giving platitudes to people when they're suffering. So the main argument of many of Job's friends was kind of what you mentioned. Job, you must have done something wrong to deserve this. Mm -hmm. Job had everything taken away from him and he wanted to kill himself. And probably I would feel the same way if literally all that stuff happened to you. Uh, And they were completely wrong. And the only hindsight is because of, we know that from scripture, is Job was righteous and he was suffering because he was righteous. Hmm. And God allowed it to happen in the sovereignty, but wasn't based on any of the, the arguments that his friends were making. So when we just flippantly take scriptures out of context of these ideas, we have to be very careful if we're, when we're speaking mm-hmm. and saying, this is why you're suffering. Cause yeah. you know, God will show up and cor- uh, correct <laughs> us like he did Job's friends. And for one, and I certainly do know, you know, a lot of times I think when we are suffering, it's not God, it is our enemy. And we do yeah, have yeah, a absolutely. spiritual enemy. You know, Satan said, I'm going to, you know, um, take care. I'm sure he would have killed Job if God gave him the permission to, and he did everything short of that. He did everything he could to get him to curse God. I think we do have, as Christians, um, 
we may even struggle uh uh you know we have a different element i think yeah. where we're struggling mm-hmm. with because the enemy is against us yeah. and wants us to um mm-hmm. uh, forsake god and wants us to doubt um, our faith and so he does come against us uh, so we can be <laughs> encouraging each other <laughs> and not kind of giving these these um platitudes or that i think do a lot more um harm than than yeah. good for for anyone uh, yeah i feel like we should really remember that like god did not come to the world to condemn us so mm-hmm. like if we are in a space of feeling condemner like it's it's of the devil and so if if we're like in a cycle of i'm doing something wrong then that means our faith is based on us and that is not how it is like salvation as you said before has nothing i mean has to do with us but it has nothing to do what we can do it's all about what god can do and so if we ever find ourselves in that space it it, it's just gonna bring us deeper and deeper into whatever we're feeling yeah martin luther um he was a 16th century reformer and he used to struggle with like severe spiritual anxiety and at that time um you know the the church at the time was teaching that yeah you had to like appeal to the merit of saints you had to do certain works plus Mm -hmm. faith and so i mean he's struggling under the spiritual anxiety um and god brought him to an understanding of the true gospel that you're saved by grace through faith not by any works um and he talks about how like in that journey he used to feel confronted by the devil like the devil would um throw in his face like you're a wicked sinner like you could never and he would turn it around and say you know what yeah i am a wicked sinner but you know what christ came for the most wicked of sinners so i'll rejoice Mm -hmm. that i'm a wicked sinner because that Mm -hmm. means christ came for me Mm -hmm. so it's like how can we do that in our own lives how can we turn that around and and how can we encourage each other in that same way like man i just today i'm just feeling like god can't reach me you know what god came to reach those who know that they're not worthy of him Mm -hmm. that's right yeah so on that note how should we be responding to someone who is suffering or someone who is experiencing a pain that (laughs) they haven't found relief from i think sometimes it just has to be like an open conversation i don't know if I'm sure it's gone through cycles, like, within the church and within, like, even the world of how they view mental illness and whatnot, but this has, growing up, it hasn't been, like, an open conversation. I think just starting that um, and being able to lead one another and encourage one another and actually be a community, and not just within the church, I'm just saying, like, with people who don't even go to the church, that's it doesn't matter, it should not matter, necessarily, um, that people are comfortable talking about this because I feel like there's a lot of shame in this part because, again, no one can see it. No mm-hmm. one can be like, um, quantify how you feel or this issue that you have. Um, so I think just being able to like encourage and reach out in prayer and just be there for people because I think that that's the part that's missing right now. Everyone's struggling mm-hmm. with their own selves internally and there is the guilty shamefulness of disclosing what you're struggling with because you feel like it's your fault. I maybe just listen more and just be with that person. Yeah. Like Dan mm-hmm. brought up uh, how in the book of Job, some of his friends were just there. <laughs> I tend to be on the side of, Hey, if, <laughs> if you don't know, if you could say something helpful, you don't, have, sometimes you don't have to say anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you just be there instead of doing more harm than good. Because I feel like in the past, I've made a lot of mistakes where I've tried to uh, talk a lot or think that I have to say something meaningful or helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes after I've been like some, uh, after I've gone through like bouts of anxiety, sometimes I just need to open up to someone or just talk and they can offer words of wisdom. But sometimes what I appreciate more is just people listening. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Can we love a person? Can yeah. we like look them in the eye and can we like talk to them? Not as a person who's struggling with anxiety, not uh, yeah, we need to deal with that eventually. But I think like, can we love that person for that person? Can we like set, can we make that separation that you are not your anxiety? Like you are dealing with anxiety. Yeah. You are not anxiety. Can we look at that person and love them and talk to them? Not even just about their anxiety, but you know, Hey, how's your cat doing? Are you like, <laughs> like, let's just realize that they are a person. Like they're not, yeah, they're not what they're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up Jesus in the garden, too. And I remember he would go to his disciples and he was like, can you stay up and pray with me? And they would like just fall asleep. So if Jesus is friend. asking for people, like his close companionship for like, uh, you know, um, that support in support. that moment, right. he did not receive it. Of course, he received it from, from God. But, uh, you know, we need that for each other. We need to, we can be there when someone comes and, uh, and presents a need and we don't have to give flippant response to say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. Like 
mm-hmm. of course we talk about we can listen uh, and and empathize with them uh, in that moment and if we have wisdom we can offer wisdom mm-hmm. from, from our own experience or from scripture um, but uh, we can do all that and and love and and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit yeah. and to the other person. Cookies are ready. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think? Um, or Dan, you're going to be pastor. <laughs> do we preach? Is this preached about enough? Like, is now does does the church now? intentionally talk about mental health or being aware of uh, keeping ourselves mentally healthy. Yeah, well, we're trying to improve that, right? I brought up <laughs> in our connect group the other day, right? I was sensitive, like, for my own self, wanted to talk about it more. Sometimes that's the appropriate place, sometimes where people can talk about it, answer questions. Or sometimes... Depending on how you things happen, sometimes I think we wait till something tragic happens and yeah. then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I think the scripture, if we preach exegetically, which is what we're supposed to, right, or we're, what we believe in, we preach the ideas from scripture, and scripture's jam-packed with um, mental health issues and how Jesus responds to issues or God responds to these. So if we're sensitive to that, we can be, we should be preaching those ideas and doing it often as we, as the text talks about it Mm. um sometimes i think people don't preach exegetically they get excited about this topic or this topic or skip over certain parts of scripture sometimes i think as you work through a book of the bible it's helpful because or you know look at a character it's helpful because you can you have to really wrestle with all of it yeah uh, and preach on all of it and not just the topics that you like say uh, the rapture or you know, <laughs> salvation, you know, <laughs> salvation all the time or tithing you know you have to address everything that the bible says and it talks about everything and it talks about mental health a lot can't okay. wait till you do a rapture episode that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what gave me the most anxiety absolutely wait real quick what does exegetically mean Exegesis means that uh, we preach the idea of the biblical text. So we believe the author was trying to communicate an idea, and we try to get understand that idea in its context, the biblical historical context, and then we apply it to ours. Rather than saying, I have an idea that I want to preach about this. I'm going to go to scripture and find some passages and use them to support my ideas. Which at times, like, happens a lot. (laughs) At times it may be appropriate to, like, step outside, but I think, like, the safest route is, like, take a book of the Bible and let's go through. We're going to do Acts 1, 1 through 16 today. Because then, yeah, like Dan said, you're dealing with it well you're speaking as god is speaking you know what i mean it's like do we really believe that the bible is god's word that it's actually god speaking to us because if we do then all right then let's talk as god is talking let's deal with what god is dealing with as he's dealing with it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. we are recording it Um, well, we've been talking for a bit, so I guess we should come to a close on this one. Mm. But does anyone have any, like, last thoughts or any revelations come to mind as we were talking? Or <laughs> one thing, because it's just so recently that you're talking about hot topic issues. Um, one is suicide. And so there's been a, ma- yeah. like, a lot of belief where if you kill yourself, that means you're going to hell. Uh, I don't necessarily know why you don't want to take up all the time where we discuss that. I don't think it's true. <laughs> I don't, I think sometimes, again, you're, we're mistaking the gospel and we're saying, oh, because you've done this sin and you haven't been able to confess it, that God's not going to be able to forgive you. Yeah. And we put a lot of emphasis on our last moments of life as opposed to God seeing our whole life and experiences and knowing how much pain someone's really going through for them to consider taking their own life. Um, so I would encourage you, like, because I hear that commonly in different people throughout the church. Uh, and sometimes there's even been funerals we do for people who commit suicide uh, and someone says that. And so we, you know, we need to be sensitive. Maybe that's one we can talk about more in depth in the future is suicide itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's a significant, significant one. True. I, I think I want, I want to say like um, to people who don't feel like this is a struggle to them, like for the people who are again, just 
I'm going to keep coming back to this, but love them, you know, love them as a person, go to them, find out what they care about. Um, And I don't want to say either, like, don't ever deal with these things. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Certainly not. But before we can try to help someone, we need to love someone, you know, for us to try to throw theories at people or like you're talking about with Job's friends, just trying to throw doctrine at people, love them. You need to love them. You need to know them to love them. So get to know them, get to love them for people who are struggling. Find someone, you know, if you, if you can, you know, try to find someone who you can talk to, who feel like you can be honest with and, um, and even in that, try to love people still, you know, to try to get to know people and love people. But Like last Sunday at my church, they, they introduced like a thing that they're going to start this coming summer and it's called uh, Stephen Ministries. And it's basically mm, yes. where you're walking alongside people who really need help, um, struggling with many different things. And so the preface that they said is like, you're not trying to fix a person. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of times as Christians, <laughs> when we start to like tell them what we, what they need to do what they aren't doing we're trying to consider them as a project right versus like really seeing them as a person and loving on them mm-hmm. while they are going through the issue acknowledging that we still do need to look at this and and deal with it so like i think that's one of something that i kind of learned recently but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. a takeaway from here is just love on people and not see them as a project mm-hmm. yeah yep sorry yeah we were talking about um this morning um we were talking about like that concept that in order to that there just always needs to be a foundation of trust and comfort when developing a relationship with a person and Mm -hmm. um, getting to a place where they're able to keep confidence in you and talk about things comfortably Mm -hmm. and um, I just think it's crazy how (laughs) how that's something that we have to learn because it feels when you think about the way that Jesus loved and that God loves that feels so fundamental so I think it's um so important that um, we're starting to realize that and that we're starting to realize how important it is to um, love through relationships or have relationships that properly exemplify love. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm glad it's becoming a thing, but I think it's really crazy that um, that wasn't the basis of how we love anyway in the first place, or um, just generally speaking, not anyone specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. for sure. But I guess, <laughs> alas, for another day, we'll talk about this more, like, look at all the different divergent topics there are within it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you, you guys. This has been a, this has been a nice conversation. Thank you, Gloria. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and for everyone, if you're listening in, um, this is The Table. <laughs> We're on Instagram. Um, just look at The Table, I think, and something should pop up. But, <laughs> yeah, I say that because I don't know what the handle is anymore. <laughs> I've moved that underscore around so many times. <laughs> but thank you for listening in, and join us next time for whatever we end up talking about.